so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Second Timothy 2. We thank you for um, going from fear, fear to fruit and uh, taking us on this journey uh, as we build people who build churches. Uh, Lord, I pray, God, uh, Lord, we need to continue to plant and build churches. Pray a blessing on the reading and the hearing of your word tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Second um, Timothy chapter 2 is where we are, and uh, we're going to look at the text once again. We've been working our way through the son, the steward, the soldier, the athlete, the husbandman, the teacher, and now the student, uh, and then the pure vessel of honor. So we're working our way to the end as uh, we get to the servant will be the last uh, of the list there. So... I love this outline, and I, I like the. I needed it actually. As the more we go through it, um, it's stuff that I need to remember. Second Timothy chapter two. Uh, in our text, I'm just going to read um, read in chapter nine, uh, two and verse nineteen, and pick it up from there. Uh, the Bible says, <clears throat> nevertheless. The foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Jesus of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but of also wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself of these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified in meat for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow after righteousness, faith, charity, peace, uh, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And so um, we have again we've seen the the uh, son, um, the the soldier, the athlete, the husband, the teacher, the student, and uh, now we're looking at the the uh, uh, <clears throat> the vessel of honor and the, uh, the 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 need to be that. So. Um, so, uh, point one here in our outline, uh, before purity comes security. In verse 19, he says, Nevertheless, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let, ev- let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And so, um, and so Jesus is the uh, surety of our salvation. Um, and the nevertheless is said following the discussion of Second Timothy two fifteen through eighteen, the godly teacher will have remembrance of biblical instruction, um, <clears throat> repeated it and reminded those who listen. Likewise, the godly student will study to show himself approved unto God, so that a man like Hymenius and Philetus, uh, Philetus, however his name is pronounced, do not overthrow the the faith um, <clears throat> of the uh, or. Uh, of the faith of those who are under the, their teaching, right? Because uh, there are those that want to um, undermine the work of God. So despite the best efforts of Satan to beguile, mislead, deceive, uh, detract from the truth, to overthrow the faith of some, the security we have is in Christ, and it stands sure no matter what the devil throws at us. Uh, and Amen. Isn't that good? And so... Um, so when you're dealing with a cult member, for instance, um, you know I've been challenged by those in the past. Um, it helps it helps me to see how moving away from the foundation of Christ is really where things go wrong. And when you challenge them on the very foundations, that's where you're going to really get back around to um, the certainty of the Scripture and and enlightens uh, both 
it encourages you, but it enlightens their system of theology. So no Mormon can help me see how their other testament is superior to the New Testament. That's an example. So when you get right down to it, you know, well, let me, if this is what my Bible says, it's the secure foundation of my faith, and it is, why do I then need another testament? There is no answer for that that is sufficient. Um, they can talk about the church, and they can talk about a lot of things, as they do appeal to in that particular cult, but they can't really, there's no, they can't assail the, the, the New Testament and what the Bible says because they claim it as their authority. Uh, a lot of Muslims come to faith in the same way. Um, they consider the scriptures to be a holy book, and then, then if that's the case, then why is my faith in error, right? Well, there's something that supersedes it. So uh, so it helps you understand the foundation of God stands sure. It keeps us where we need to be, but it also helps enlighten uh, those that would uh, be detractors if they are indeed sincere and want to be enlightened. Otherwise, it shuts them down. So the Jehovah Witnesses, with all their usurping of my King James Bible with the New World Translation, cannot convince me that Jesus Christ... Uh, as defined in the Bible, is not sufficient to save my soul and secure my eternity, right? I mean, they just can't in a, in a New World Translation. None of these religious systems can move me from Christ as the rock of my salvation <clears throat> and another Jesus who is either the brother of Satan or um, something less than God manifests in the flesh is not enough. To, why would I move away from what the Bible clearly teaches about Jesus when you have in the Word of God what you need. So in verse 19, the foundation of God standeth sure. Jesus is indeed the rock of our salvation. He is the foundation and uh, the Bible holds up. So um, it is sure. So Jesus is the, the rock of our salvation. He is a mountain that can't be moved. And so even if our faith is overthrown, there's a foundation that can be, that cannot be moved with the winds of doctrine that do prevail. And from time to time, you will see that. There will be people who get caught up in false systems, false teachings. But if they're sincerely born again, you can't remove the rock. They are indeed God's child uh, because God is gracious. And so <clears throat> when a tornado blows through, what remains of the house, typically? That's right. The foundation is there. You can't lose the foundation. And we are familiar with fa- tornadoes, right? You can lose a lot, but you can't lose the foundation. Um, and so the foundation of God is uh, three things, and this isn't in your notes. It's unmovable, and it's unbreakable, and it's unchangeable. It's unmovable, it's unbreakable, and it is unchangeable. So uh, so that's point number one. Jesus is the surety of our salvation. Point number two, Jesus is the seal of our salvation. Pastor Pradeep mentioned it this morning. Uh, no one in the Roman Empire would, would dare break a Roman seal of correspondence that was not intended to be opened to whom the correspondence was addressed. That seal was sure, and uh, you didn't mess with it. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And so the Lord knoweth them that are his, and he knows the, uh, his own DNA, like Ancestry.com, but better. So God will collect those uh, who he has, has purchased and those uh, who have been adopted and called sons of God, those who are born again and inherit eternal life through Jesus Christ. Even if they get messed up after their salvation and go off on some sort of tangent, <clears throat> um, he's still going to save them. It's ridiculous to think that he will not claim those that are his. And so if you look at the story of the prodigal son, he waited for his to come home. He couldn't wait till he came home. So Israel typifies this, by the way. Paul, quoting from Numbers chapter 16 and verse 15, says, 
And uh, and he spake unto Korah and unto all his company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his and who are and who is holy, and will cause them to come near unto him. Even him whom he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. And of course, who did he choose? Well, God chose those that chose him, right? Um, and so. Uh, not a Calvinist concept there. So from the time Israel was in bondage in Israel under Pharaoh until they, the time they entered the promised land under Joshua, God never forgot who his children were. One of the greatest, by the way, one of the greatest examples of eternal security is the Son of God, Israel. Because if there's anyone that could earn their way out of God's, uh, God's good, good will, and, and uh, it would be Israel. I mean, they've done everything you could possibly think of uh, to lose their their corporate salvation as a nation, and yet God still is right as we speak, protecting them, redeeming them, and preparing them uh, for a much more glorious future uh, in fulfillment of Romans chapter uh, nine through eleven, and so and Revelation, and so and Old Testament prophecies like Zechariah and Ezekiel. So we go on, but I mean, God has a glorious plan for Israel in spite of themselves. So they are they are a picture of us. Of course, we want to be faithful, uh, but I mean, as if for someone who's like, oh well, I'm so sinful, God can't, you know, I've lost my salvation. It's just not possible. It's just not possible because it, it wasn't depend on you to earn it, right? You, it's a grace and it's given, and it, and uh, God changes you from the inside out. But you sure can lose your inheritance for sure. And so, uh, God forbid that any of us would lose our inheritance. So the incentive for, for following God is to bring Him glory. And we want to bring Him glory through obedience, and that's when we'll give, have something to give back to Him as a thank you and gratitude for what He's done. So we can lose our assurance, we can lose our inheritance, we can lose our joy. There's a lot of things we can lose as a Christian, but we can't lose the foundation. You are secure in Christ. And so... <clears throat> um, and so, number 1615, as I was mentioning, uh, he knows who are his and who are holy. Um, and so, um, so from that time that Israel was in bondage uh, in, in Egypt under Pharaoh until the time that they entered the promised land under Joshua, God never forgot who his children were. When they looked like oppressed uh, slaves, God called them his army. When they were transient in the wilderness, God called them a nation. When Moses is challenged by the sons of Korah in the desert, Moses rested in the fact that God knew who was approved and who were not, and trusted God to judge rebellion righteously. So Paul had this in mind because Hymenius and Philetus were trying to knock people off their foundation with a message God didn't deliver. And didn't have a, and didn't and didn't have his seal, so God had uh, demonstrated throughout history that He uh, can keep those who are His. Under Hitler and Stalin's rule, God identified His people and moved them back to the Promised Land to prepare them for the end times. Isn't that the? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> and so uh, He takes children held captive and delivers them home because His foundation stands sure, and now they're home. Paul is driving towards Second Timothy two twenty six, uh, which in our notes there, if you look further down, says in or in our Bible, I should say rather, if you look further down in the text, says and they <clears throat> that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So he's he's reminding Timothy that his security plays a part in ensuring those who are overthrown have a chance to get back up and get in the fight before they come home to glory. Uh, and so I just had someone uh, recently uh, who somewhat sees 
me as an enemy of sorts for whatever reasons in their imagination. And uh, you know what? At the end of the day, you just know there's no if there's a Christian, I'm not their enemy if they're born again. They're my brother. No matter what they think, uh, that's their problem. I can't change that. But I do hope that uh, that brothers understand that uh, you don't want to mess with God's children, you know. And uh, I take that. I'm the same way. So point three, Jesus owns the title deed to your soul. So if you own your property, you, you have your name on the title deed. So God purchased your soul with his own blood. And when you uh, name the name of the Lord, you signed over the rights to your soul to the man who purchased it. And so some some uh, this evening, um, I'd say all have named the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, so he is your rightful owner. He's in your heart and uh, your soul, and uh, you will confess him as Lord and Savior, right? And so that's a position you're choosing to take up with the judge at the great white uh, throne judgment. <clears throat> I mean, if you don't do that, I'm sorry, then you take up a position uh, to stand without doing that at the great white throne judgment, which would be terrible. And uh, and so, um, if those that we loved and don't know the Lord uh, would do that, um, it's a poor position to be in uh, because you're right there along with the, the they'd be right there along with the wood hay and stubble. So those that don't name the name of the Lord Jesus Christ have no security, they have no foundation, they have no standing before a holy God. The only the only safe place is to call upon the name of the Lord. Uh, to be saved, and I know you guys know that. So, uh, man, but what a perilous situation the world is in. Sometimes we get over, um, you know, we're too worried about the world's influence. And really, if you just look at them, we should pity them because they will give account before a holy God if they don't name the name of Jesus. So only Jesus and Jesus alone can redeem the purchased possession. So we see that truth manifest not only in God's dealing with the kingdom of God, but His dealing with the kingdom of heaven. In uh, Revelation, uh, go over to Revelation chapter 5. I don't think I put that in your notes, did I? Uh, Revelation 5 and verse 11. Revelation 5.11. So this is a kingdom of heaven context. He says, And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, a thousand thousands, and thousands of thousands, I should say, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing in every uh, and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in the in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. So this passage reveals that only Jesus is worthy to open the seals because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So uh, saints should rest in the reality that no one can claim your soul but Jesus. So that was a long way around to that. So that's why we're secure, right? Because uh, we are, we have that surety of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are sealed, and uh, and He is the one who has sealed us, and He is the one that uh, owns us and possesses us. So point four. Um, so uh, <clears throat> I don't know if I have a note on there. Let me get to my. Yeah, and let because you are. Uh, sealed, uh, you experience the power of Christ's salvation. Because you're sealed, you experience the power of Christ's salvation. So the word there is sealed, uh, as obviously I'm majoring on that. 
everyone who uh, will name the name of Jesus can and should depart from iniquity. Uh, you you have a seal and the de- and uh, the deal of your salvation and your soul. Uh, you have you. I'm sorry. You have sealed the deal of your salvation and your soul the day you humbly and contritely bowed before the Lord and acknowledged that Jesus was Lord of your life for both time and eternity. I thanked Him for dying in your place on the cross, believing that He's alive from the dead. Trusted Him and Him alone to redeem your soul for all of eternity. So you are saved. So now you can live like it. So if Jesus uh, is alive from the dead, and He is, uh, we who are saved have the privilege and ability to depart from iniquity. Before we uh, we <clears throat> before we were saved, <coughs> excuse me, we were bound by nature to sin, but now we're free to follow Christ. And so, uh, this is a revelation to many. But you can walk in the Spirit. You can. You just got to decide to. Uh, you can live uh, a resurrected life, and you can get up off the mat if you've been overturned by lies pro- uh, propagated by the world, the flesh, and the devil. So we don't have to like stay in a victim state. That's a good message today in Laodicea, because a lot of people are victimized, uh, and it is, and they are being held captive in their minds. It's not like physical oppression; it's a spiritual overthrow of the mind and the heart. And you can see that very clearly uh, in culture as well. I want to go ahead and <clears throat> take on uh, point B, um, and because uh, I, th- I think I can get that, we'll have to stop there before point C. So let's keep moving. So point B: security ensures diversity. So, back in our text in verse 20, it says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Now, when you think of diversity, you don't usually think of 2 Timothy 2.20, because of the context, and and, uh, and rightly so. But it is still still an example of diversity. You can be who you want to be, right? Uh, So... Uh, so, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth. <clears throat> so, despite the the title work on the household of faith done by Jesus Christ, we as individuals determine our function <clears throat> within the household of faith. So, Jesus is the owner uh, because He purchased us with His own blood, according to Acts twenty twenty eight, and uh, He promised to build His church, according to Matthew sixteen eighteen. He fitly frames it and joins us, according to Ephesians two twenty one, Ephesians four sixteen, and the Holy. Ghost is focused, focusing on the uh, quality of the individual because uh, households uh, households its value despite uh, what you can do uh, with your salvation. <clears throat> so Paul is not focused on perfection or completion of the building; he is focused on perfection of his son in the Lord. <clears throat> and so, security ensures diversity because of the nature of humanity. Uh, so uh, I think I have that on there. Do I? Yeah, security ensures diversity, so diversity is point one. <clears throat> On my notes that I did for this, I had it all underlined so I knew where I was at, so those are gone, so I'm doing this, I'm figuring it out as I go. So um, so forgive me for not being sure of some of these things. So God creates man with a free will. Uh, this is clear from the time of Adam. Before the fall, Adam was able to flee temptation or follow uh, his wife's inclination. And so after the fall, Cain could have obeyed God and, and brought the sacrifice God required from the flocks of Abel, but instead he chose murder of his brother. Abraham would later go on to choose to obey God by faith and follow him from Ur, Chaldee to, to Syria, and eventually to Canaan. 
Um, uh, but he couldn't tell his wife no, and uh, that caused him a lot of problems. So Lot would choose his fer- uh, the fertile. Well, he could have chose- told her no, but he didn't. Um, <clears throat> Lot would uh, choose the fertile plains of Sodom uh, instead of uh, following Abraham's call. The father would choose to send his son, and the son would choose to obey the father. And if uh, we are saved, we have chosen to trust the Lord's sacrifice as our propitiation for sin. You have and I have made a decision, and we have. So point two, you can be esteemed as precious metal, right? So there's diversity because of the nature of humanity, which is what I'm making the case under point one, is that men do have a free will. They have volition. Yes, Ron? Precious metal or precious stones? Uh, Metal. Gold, silver. I'm getting to right now. So metal. Going back to one, Mm -hmm. what do you have? Diversity. Mm. Diversity, um, yeah, humanity. Yeah, God has built into humanity volition. Uh, we have a choice because uh, we were made to uh, be sons of God once we get saved. So, and Adam was uh, a son of God. <clears throat> so, if he had chose right, he'd. Uh, he advanced, but he didn't. So here we are. So, uh, but nonetheless, men make decisions. Obviously, which I'd set forth about four points of that for my Calvinist friends out there in the in the crowd. So not in this room, but you know what I mean. So whoever's listening out in the out in the ether. So you can be a, you can be esteemed as precious metal. So yes, it is precious metal for now. Gold, silver, and gold and silver vessels have been purged through the fire. So. Um, so, interesting enough, we have uh, our, our dear friend uh, Pradeep here. When I visit places like Kandamal and look out among the men and women who, uh, you know, 16 years ago or whatever, were fleeing for their lives through the jungles of Orissa, what do I see? Well, I see gold, right? You see these people, you see that poor widow standing there on the site, you know, unconsolable. I'm like, dear pastor, why are we taking pictures of her right now? But anyway, that's another story. You know, of course she's not consolable. Her husband got burned on that spot. And her, she's wounded. Uh, that's gold, right? God is going to bring her, her comfort. And uh, when you pray over a widow <clears throat> uh, or you uh, give toward those causes, you know you're, you're investing in a good investment. You're investing in gold. And so the Lord knoweth them that are his, and he knoweth... I'm sorry, I'm on, that's the wrong note. I printed this front and back, so page five. So and uh, so, you're standing among God's finest because they've been purged by the fire of persecution. And so men like Pastor Pradeep and <clears throat> faithful men that uh, he trains and sends are great investments because they are proven to come forth like gold, and they are good investments. So uh, what are we doing? Um, what, what we're doing is a, is a wealth redistribution. Uh, not because we're communists, but because we want to see God capitalize on his investment in in uh, humanity. So the, the pioneers who suffered to bless us, uh, like George Woodfield, Jonathan Edwards, and, and those faithful Baptists that started Bible colleges, log cabin colleges, and all of that stuff back in the early uh, time of uh, Jonathan Edwards and, and the form of formation of this nation, uh, many of those uh, who went after them were little noted or valued in the world, but God knows who they are, and they are... Uh, they're going to be gold, and uh, and so the souls of men 
uh, above all um, that have left us spiritual wealth or worthy to be uh, that's worthy to be entrusted to the saints have paid a price for their faith and come forth as pure uh, silver and gold so in the old testament in daniel chapter 3 we see the type of precious faith that comes forth as gold as hananiah mishael and azariah better known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were cast in the fiery furnace by Nebuchadnezzar because they would not bow to the gods that made a man's hands, right? So, uh, or uh, the gods that were made by man's hands. <clears throat> and so it was the fiery purging of faith that God used and protected his faithful vessels from all the harm. Even if they die, they said, hey, we're not careful to answer thee in this manner. Go on in there, pal, because we're not about to bow. And yet, when they got thrown in, nothing happened to them. Why? Because they came, they came forth pure as gold. Right? They were vessels of honor. And uh, God showed up with them. And so how honorable is that? And so so God shows us in Daniel 5 when Babylonian Belshazzar reigned that God is in the business of protecting his vessels. Again, the Babylonian element there. Um, uh, so though God's precious vessels from the temple were turned over uh, for a time uh, because of Israel's sin, it was just a matter of time before God would take them and return them home. And so God has not given the Christian life uh, and breath to be used as a tool in the devil's hand. So when you go to work tomorrow, you may feel like, man, I'm working for the man, but it's only temporary because God is going to redeem his precious vessels. And uh, and so the man just thinks you're working for him. But when God says it's time to come home, it's time to come home. And he, he does what it takes to get you there. And there ain't nothing your boss can do about it, <clears throat> or the devil for that matter. So... We are set apart for God's use, and when we take sanctification seriously, we come forth like gold and silver, right, as precious metals. So point three, uh, you can be esteemed as paltry metals as well. Um, or, I'm sorry, paltry materials, not metals. Paltry materials as well. And so wood and earthen vessels are not found in the temple unless plated in gold. So uh, Paul is, is making a very clear case that the teacher of God, God's word is leaving nothing of eternal value if he is not faithful to the word of God in these verses that we've read in verses 16 through 18. So if we do not impart God's word, we're, we're devaluing our spiritual currency because our words are not of eternal value. The only thing that's of eternal value is the word of God. So the saint of God will be of little value if they're not faithful to the true riches of God's word. <clears throat> and so... And, of course, the earthen vessel is, is uh, the you are precious stones. We didn't get into the precious stones, but um, we are precious stones. They cover, right, in the, the priestly garments, <clears throat> uh, the urim, urim and the thunum, however you say that, urim and the thunum, they have precious metals in those. The crown has pre- the priest garments have precious metals. Uh, and so uh, you want to be a, a stone uh, that God can, can uh, shine his glory through. All right, so that's where we're going to stop. Uh, point A and B. So the purity of a, the, of a vessel of honor, before purity comes security, and security ensures diversity, and we want to have a diversity of, uh, of uh, metal, metallurgical value, right? Gold and silver. Next week we'll get together and we'll talk about how being a pure vessel of honor is our prerogative. Once again, we'll talk about uh, the, uh, the free will and our prerogative. So... I'm going to find my pen so I don't forget. Any questions, comments, or confusion? Yes, sir. In uh, verse 19, uh, 2, never was the foundation of God standing pure, 
Second Peter 1, 19, we have also more, more sure. sure. Amen. Amen. The word is sure and the foundation is sure. So think about the trick the devil's played on so many by corrupting the words of God. Mm. <laughs> He's trying to mess up their salvation, isn't he? And uh, that's why he attacks the deity of Christ. Tries to move the foundation. Her ways are unmovable. Or her ways are uh, not unmovable. Her ways are movable. Yeah. And uh, the Lord is unmovable. But yeah, he's the rock. That's good, brother. I was thinking about something, too. Um, over in Hebrews 11, when you were telling me about, or you were talking to us about those people who, were, you know, nobody really knows them, and, and, and yet they'll be, you know, they'll be precious metal inside of God. Uh, Hebrews 11, 30. Starting at verse 32, it says, um, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, and of Samson, and of Jesse, and of David, also, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, uh, wrought righteousness, Obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, um, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong. While you waxed valiant in fight, turned from flight, the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And it goes on and on. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, it just—God takes note, doesn't He? It's just amazing how many you know. And you and you and you look at church history, and you see all the people that were tortured and mocked and scourged and. Poor and destitute, walking nakedness, living in dents and caves of the earth, of whom the world was not worthy. Mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing the verse, you know, verses subsequent there. But anyway, it's just amazing what I mean. It it, it is yet to be seen uh, what God is is going to reveal to us when we get there. Because sure, we'll be absent for the body and present with the Lord, but we were the recipients of the fruit of the labor of so many millions of saints that just gave their lives. Amen. You know, for the faith. It's just amazing. It is amazing what's been handed down to us. That's a good word, brother. I was uh, in my playlist on my Apple account. I've got an old song by Steve Green. Um, um, I don't remember the title now, but... May all who come behind us find us faithful. And uh, you guys probably don't know who Steve Green is, but sounds like an opera singer. But anyhow, he uh, in this song, I was listening to it on the way to Monmouth, and I was just sitting there thinking about what you were saying there, Ron. You know, and just the mindset of of uh, sacrificing for future generations. That's what that song is about. And obviously, those people did that for the Lord, but it does affect us in these generations. And you're right. I mean, we are. Built upon, it's not just upon the foundation of Christ, but the apostles and prophets and those that have gone before us. And it really is a, 
it is a uh, honor, you know, a real big honor, and a responsibility, right? To whom much is given, much is required. So, has have we resisted unto blood, striving against sin? You know, uh, probably not. So, we do have a lot to be thankful for, and uh, we need to take that to heart. So, thank you. That's good. Amen. Amen. Good foundation and uh, good good form. You know, that's what we need.